0: This is the Taco About Wellness Podcast with your hosts and Everside Wellness Practitioners. My name's Courtney Handelin and I'm Tasha Schultz. Tasha, other than a fun play on words, why tacos? Well, just like a good taco has many different toppings, so does each person's path to wellness. That's right. And both tacos and wellness are customizable for each individual and with each season. And it's totally okay if it doesn't look the same as the next person's taco. Because it shouldn't. That's right. So we are excited to share our wellness knowledge and stories and tips with you in a fun, educational way. So let's Taco about Wellness. All right welcome back to the talk about wellness podcast my name is courtney your co-host and of course unfortunately tasha is not able to join us today but i do have a special guest with me zach darienzo he is one of our physician assistants for everside practicing at the west alice clinic who serves the school district of west alice west milwaukee zach welcome
1: Thank you for having
0: me. (laughs) Of course. And can you give us just a little bit of background first on your, your practice experience and maybe what you like most about um, this role here?
1: Definitely. Uh, My name is Zach Darienzo. Um, I'm a physician assistant uh, currently with Everside. I've been practicing for 10 years. Um, I've worked in a few different specialties. I've worked in uh, urology and pulmonary sleep medicine. And now I've been in primary care for the past six years. Um I love this role. I love kind of what we're able to do um at our clinics and with our company and how we're able to give care to people. Um and overall, I look I just really like kind of partnering with my patients and seeing what they need and how they live their lives and just trying to help them live better, healthier lives.
0: I love that. That's such a it's it is a nice kind of part of, of how um Everside as a company works, uh that more like going along for the the experience with you. Um, also, wow, I didn't realize you had such a, a wide variety background there. You've been a lot in 10 years. Yes. A lot of, a lot
1: different of experience. I, I definitely kind of jumped around a lot. So um, kind of got a lot of different perspectives, both on the clinical side of things, but, you know, small companies, big hospitals. Yeah. You know.
0: No, I think that's smart. That, you know, gives you kind of a bigger lens to look at. Um, so we've got a lot a lot of things that I, I want to talk about today. So let's dive in. We're talking about men's health. I guess I should have said that in the very beginning, but talking about men's health. Of course, I'm not a man, so I had to find a man to talk about men's health with. Um, but let's start by what are the basics uh, screenings, um, preventative type screenings that men should be considering and why are they important?
1: Sure. So I think obviously we're talking about adult men. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, So, you know, 18 and up. And obviously most of these things are going to be for older men, you know, you know, 40, 50, 60s and older. Um, For anyone, I think it's always productive to have a relationship with a primary care doctor to start. um, Someone you feel you can talk to and kind of just bring forth any issues you have, you know, and tease through things that may be a big deal or, you know, maybe not be a big deal. And um, I always think that's an important place to start and a good relationship for anybody to have. Um, You know, after that, you're included in that, obviously, it's just kind of an annual physical in your labs and stuff. And it's simple, but I still think it's always a good thing to do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, once a year for for anybody, you know, for obviously for men and women, too. Um, And then with age, you know, you're going to get into more specific things that you want to make sure you're getting done. Um, Your lab work, checking your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your blood sugar. Um, your other routine screening tests about your, you know, your kidney and liver function and your blood counts. Um, when you get to 45, 50 or older, you want to start checking your um, blood test for PSA, which is your prostate cancer screening. Um, that's a test that's been around for a long time and nowadays has kind of a lot of conversation going on around it. Um, but it's definitely still a test we utilize regularly um, for that um, prostate cancer screening. Um and then around those ages too 50 and up you start thinking about things like um, cardiovascular screening so um, men may get stress tests or screening for the different arteries in their body in their neck in their belly their aorta stuff like that Um, and just making sure that their heart and lungs are in good shape and then a lot of the other stuff is going to align with you know what women get too. so your colonoscopy you know your routine cancer screening um Outside of the PSA and the colonoscopy, there isn't any specific cancer screening tests um, recommended for men at large. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be different for a single patient within, you know, a family and given their issues, but yeah. that, you know, pretty much is going to encompass what um, would be recommended for men as they age.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I think, you know, that, like you said, how it, it really becomes individualized to the individuals, like lifestyle choices and habits, but also family risk, um, just emphasizes all the more, like you said, that importance of building a relationship with a with a primary care person um, and establishing that and then having that annual visit with them to kind of connect, you know, touch base. And then they can be more aware of like, hey, you're getting to this age or you have these risk factors. So now is a good time for us to look at doing those, those different tests and screenings. Um, Hopefully that helps to break it down for men who are uh, putting off or skipping the um, annual exam. I know in my office, um, I'll, you know, a lot of times People come in because they have to do, um, they want to do a health risk assessment, follow up, you know, after they get the results in the mail. And one of their flagged risk factors might be that they haven't had an annual exam in over two years. And a lot of times it seems like men are concerned about that annual exam, right? They don't want the, I I think there's this assumption that there's going to be a prostate screening, like a, a A physical prostate screening. Um and from my understanding that's that's not necessarily gonna happen every year. Could you talk about about that and maybe get rid of some of those myths around that?
1: Yeah. Uh you're correct. It's definitely not something that um is done that much anymore. Um, obviously in specific instances. But looking back, you know, all men to get screened for prostate cancer would get a digital rectal exam, which Mm -hmm. is a finger up the rectum to feel the prostate, (laughs) which you know is Uh, not the worst thing, but nobody's favorite thing. (laughs) Um, and they'd also get their PSA blood test, and you know those things kind of combined would give you your clinical impression of the patient, and um, you know determine if they needed anything else, Mm -hmm. um, to screen for prostate cancer. It was kind of shown that the digital rectal exams weren't very effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, similar corollary would be for women we're kind of finding that self-breast exams aren't too effective at identifying masses. So it's um, clinical protocols are more so going just towards the imaging tests and kind of objective stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So similarly, the same thing is happening for men. What they've been finding is it's just too varied based on the provider and their experience level. And if they're, you know, a primary care physician or they're in urology or they're in an urgent care. Mm -hmm. So. It just wasn't correlating to finding cancers and basically improving lives. So um, overall, it's not something that's recommended for a man at their annual physical anymore.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right. Without having some concerns or feeling like you really should check that. Right. So so that's one thing. I guess any man listening who's been putting that off can rest assured that that unless if they have some concerns or reasons that's probably not going to happen. What should a man expect in that like annual physical, what is that probably going to look like again in a a general term, because I'm sure it's also very tailored to like what needs to be addressed um, for that individual.
1: But Yeah. I think maybe be helpful to again, kind of go through the ages a little bit and talk about how it might change.
0: Sure. Um,
1: You know, so we're kind of, you know, in your 20s and stuff, I, you know, hopefully we're anticipating everything doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, as people start to get into their 30s, you definitely start to see kind of more objective health issues. You start to see, you know, if people have had high weights, then now they start to have high blood pressures and high blood sugars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you get up in your 30s and your 40s, you start seeing people have arthritis, musculoskeletal problems and stuff like that. So you're evaluation is going to change throughout that time, you know, and, and, you know, that's our job to meet that patient where they're at, um, and make sure we're having a pertinent conversation with them and not just giving them, you know, kind of some bland, you know, how's it going? What test do you need? See you later. (laughs) Um, because at all different phases of life, everybody has different problems. So, um, and I think if, you know, as providers, we can remain aware of that and kind of prompt the patients, um, mm-hmm. we can get to the source of those issues a little better and kind of help them express them a little better. So okay. overall, um, you know, to kind of just go through that annual exam, what I like to do, uh, just start um, reviewing any current medications, review current medical issues, look back at the prior year, mm-hmm. were you sick a lot, were you feeling fine, you know, Um and any big issues you had, or you're feeling great. Okay, good. Um, now let's look at your age. You know, what do you do for screening test wise, like we've already talked about? What do you do for vaccine wise? Because these are things that are just standardized, mm-hmm. um, and you know, are there for a reason because they're common issues um, that affect a lot of people. So there's protocols with these um, screening tests. So after we kind of do what I just call, you know, age related stuff. Um, then, you know, just talk through usual symptoms and, you know, stuff like that. And if there's really no concerns from the patient, then, you know, have check them out a little bit, listen to heart and lungs, yeah. um, make sure, you know, they feel like they're going to the bathroom. Okay. Feel their belly a little bit. Um, and you know, it can be pretty quick like that because when you're younger, you're usually pretty healthy, you know, and if patients don't have any concerns, we don't need to hunt and hunt and hunt. We can kind right. of, um. Leave it there. And another thing we haven't touched on yet would be skin cancer screening. Oh, so yeah. um, that's something that definitely gets um, overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's an extremely common cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the top three, four, five common cancers in both men and women. Um, it's preventable. It's treatable, and it's it's easy to screen for. Sure. I think what holds people back a little bit is, um, especially in primary care. Um, maybe the providers don't want to look at all the skin cause they don't want to have to do a referral or they don't know how to do it in house or, um, you know, it's just kind of another thing and they don't want to overload patients. But, um, I try to look at everybody's skin because again, it's a quick, easy thing to do and the procedures are quick and easy. You know, if we need to take something off, um, and the upside is so high because skin cancers and melanomas, um. Can be very aggressive and can happen at young age right. um they're not all age-related issues so um i always think that's an important thing to screen for
0: yeah and i'm guessing it's one too that like the quicker you catch it the quicker
1: yep you catch something you like that aggressive. early like yeah. you know you cut it out and you're done right you know and it's nothing right. further than that but okay. yeah you catch it later just like you know other cancers and it's, it's a much bigger issue
0: yeah so if a man has a spot i guess a Anyone <laughs> in general that has a spot that they can see that seems like it might be concerning, um, bringing it up at that annual exam and either allowing that provider um, to take a look or requesting a referral, probably to dermatologists. Is that what? You yeah, would you suggest? and in
1: a lot of a lot of primary care providers will do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really depends on who you're seeing. But then, yeah, a dermatologist. And overall, these are slowly progressing non-urgent issues mm-hmm. you know if you're keeping an eye on them so if you notice something that hey that i didn't see that last week or you know that seems new just check on it in a few weeks you know because that information is going to help your doctor a lot of hey i've already been monitoring this for a couple months and since i noticed that it, it hasn't really changed or no i noticed it and it's definitely kind of grown a lot since then so you know you can keep an eye on it yourself for a little bit and then maybe bring it to somebody's attention
0: okay yeah, that's a good tip. I'm glad that, that you thought of that. We brought that up, the, the skin cancer part. Um, what about, like, so you had mentioned before, you know, the, the effectiveness of, or or lack of effectiveness for women doing um, self breast exams. What about for men doing self-testicular exams? Is that something that is effective that you recommend men do on their own with some regularity? What should that look like, etc.
1: Um definitely not something i talk about very much okay um so just to i guess touch on testicular cancer and those types of things um it's definitely that's something that affects younger men so people in their teens and in their 20s okay um and i don't believe there's any standardized recommendation for men to kind of do Mm self-exams you know sure it's not a bad idea right um You're know, you basically screening for testicular cancer, but there's a lot of other things also that can cause kind of lumps and bumps in the scrotum. So um, you can get little cysts, which are very normal things. Mm -hmm. Um, You can have dilation of like your blood vessels a little bit that lead to the testicles. Again, not major issues. So Mm -hmm. um, things that you may find and, you know, bring to someone's attention, Mm -hmm. but um, overall, the kind of concern they may bring and, and cause you medically is low.
0: Okay. Okay, so that's something that's more maybe a concern for younger men. You said teens, twenties.
1: That's where you're going to see the testicular cancers, sure. younger men. Okay, so, and the outcomes these days for those things are really good. Right. You know, um, it's it's usually surgery, and they're you know hopefully caught early, and they're taken out, and they they're not a high recurrence rate for those okay. things later in life. Good to
0: know. Yeah. Um. What about then? I'm sure another thing that probably comes up. Because we can see it, you know, all over the place on billboards as we're driving. But, um, you know, men being concerned about, like, low sex drive or erectile dysfunction and, and concerned about low testosterone numbers. Um, I'm guessing those are conversations that that come up often. Yep. Is there any... Uh, concerns that men should have if they if they feel like um, they're suffering from low sex drive or erectile dysfunction is there any medical reason that they should like seek attention
1: so I think uh, another good place to start will be re- reviewing testosterone in general so um, most of our hormones circulate in our body via a few different steps um, there's usually a signal from our brain to a different organ. That then releases the hormone so in this case your brain communicates to the testicles um which release some of your sex hormones um so when people may bring up concerns about their testosterone it's usually related to you know symptoms of fatigue or lack of energy or they don't feel as strong physically or um sexual health you know erectile dysfunction low sex drive uh, things like that. Um, so if that patient comes in and you know they have no history of anything and they're relatively healthy, um, then how it's actually diagnosed is via blood draw. Mm-hmm. And the standardized recommendation is you need three levels that are low. So if you get one, you got to recheck um, and confirm. And a lot of times that level is going to come back and be normal and you're going to recheck again and the reason it's so standardized is exactly what we've talked about uh, here that the symptoms are kind of vague and it's not actually a very common issue. So it's an issue that patients bring up usually more than providers may seek out, you know, mm-hmm. kind of in their patients if they do bring forth these concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from our perspective, we may be more interested in how you're living your lifestyle, how's your mental health, how are those things going? So, um, you know, we want to kind of be aware of saying that these symptoms are related to testosterone because if they're not and then you get started on treatment, they're not going to get better. Right. So they want to make sure that you're finding the actual people with objective low testosterone. So by checking it three times, you know, after that evaluation, you're pretty sure that, hey, this person. Yeah um, has this problem. Um,
0: well, and that makes sense too. It's a matter of like treating the actual problem, not covering it up with a, you know, with a band-aid sort of exactly. thing. So, so it sounds like a lot of those issues that men might experience and, and assume it's low testosterone, it might be other lifestyle factors that are playing into those things. Um, very much so. <laughs> so I know you said, and this is obviously very much in my wheelhouse, Um, But so I'm guessing, like you said, like weight loss, uh, having a higher weight that can really impact all those things, Um, eating a healthier, more nutritious diet, you said mental health. So proper ways of dealing with um, stress and getting good sleep, having healthy relationships. Um, I'm guessing like limiting your alcohol or moderate alcohol intake, all that kind of stuff, Uh, exercise as well, I'm sure that all plays into it. Is there any other lifestyle things that you really look for that that you have seen um, make a big impact?
1: No, I think you touched on most of them. Um, Several of the most main causes of erectile dysfunction. Um, One is going to be mental health depression Mm -hmm. um that is far and away the most common cause of ed yeah wow Um, that's
0: that's big that's really one of the most common is mental health
1: it's the most common yeah
0: the most common yeah yeah
1: um so as soon as somebody brings that up to me and they're overall healthy um you know that's kind of where we're going to shift our talk to um and not just are you depressed but you know how are things going with your relationships how are how's your stress level? How much time do you take for yourself? You know, all those kinds of things. Um, And then some other common causes, you know, general unhealthy lifestyle, Mm -hmm. uh, obesity, stuff like that. Um, But then also ED, um, erectile dysfunction, can be a warning sign for the body developing cardiovascular disease Um, because the organs, the penis, testicles and stuff. Are fed by smaller arteries than our heart and stuff like that. Okay. So if those arteries are starting to get clogged and you're getting lack of blood flow in the area mm-hmm. and you can't, your organs can't function how they should. It could be a sign that that's happening in the rest of your body. Yeah. So you know if this patient is a little bit overweight, maybe they have higher blood pressure and they're complaining mm-hmm. of this. You got to keep in mind that hey, this person, um, you know, has several areas to kind of work on here.
0: Right. And. Yeah. More than just, more than just that. Well, that, that really makes sense how that it would all fit together like that.
1: And what's definitely not a cause generally erectile dysfunction is low testosterone.
0: Okay. (laughs) Interesting. All right. So I just, I think I just grouped them together because that's often how it is portrayed like, you know, like you said, on on billboards as you're driving by.
1: No, that's very it's, uncommon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, good to know. Um, so it's going off of the how you talked about mental health being the biggest contributor to that, um, you know, it, I think that the things are shifting a little bit in this. But what do you think holds is holding men back, generally speaking, again, from like prioritizing their own well-being and their own self-care and, and mental health? What do you see are the barriers there for men?
1: I think there's significant barriers there for everybody. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you said, we're, we're breaking it down a little bit, um, but it's slow. But uh, it is still encouraging that um, there's a lot more systems in place for people to Um, express how they feel and get care for those issues and a lot more awareness for how your mental health can reduce your quality of life and impact your physical health. So um, that's great that that's coming along. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think I would agree that it does seem to be a little bit harder for men to make some progress on those issues. I would think that's summarized mostly just by, you know, social constructs and stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, expectations of men, um, you know, kind of more older school, you know, right. opinions of, of you know, gender roles and things like that. And, right. you know, head of household and strong and burly. And
0: yeah, um, right. You know, don't talk about your feelings. And,
1: yeah, don't, um, yeah. don't be weak. You know, yeah. don't, uh, I don't need help.
0: Right. You know,
1: um, physically or mentally. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, clearly a big part of it. Um, but then also just kind of interpersonally, you know, I think, Men form a little bit of different relationships with each other than women do. Right. And, you know, maybe some of those relationships aren't as about, you know, sharing your, your feelings or your medical right. concerns or, um, or that type of stuff. So, um, you know, I think yeah. it's just something we just keep slowly working on yeah. you know, through things like yeah. this and encouraging people to be aware of it um and just continuing to make good progress on it because it's important for men but it's a it's a big issue for everybody
0: yeah right absolutely and i think too some of it's got to be like a little bit genetic and this plays into whether you're a man or not but some of our just some of us are just um i can't think of the word but like the way that we're created internally it just just pushes us towards being a certain way, right? And 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 having a certain mindset. Um, and so I think it's like you said, just acknowledging that this is the way I am, but knowing that, you know, there are things that you can do to deal with stress too. Maybe it's not talking to someone, um, but maybe there are other things, you know, maybe you can put your energy into exercising or going for a walk or tapping into um, a spiritual side. If, if you're a spiritual person, um, I think there's a lot of different avenues that you know anyone can take to deal with their mental health and um, prioritize their self-care. It's just a matter of finding out what works for each individual, probably.
1: That can be a big search, you mm-hmm. know, and that can be hard to do. Right. The mental health issues are hard for both patients and providers to deal with you know you're receiving subjective complaints you know that a patient is feeling that can be intrinsically related to a disease process or can be short-term feelings that are normal Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to tease through and that's kind of a big step in what prevents people from coming in about it because this could be normal you know or i had a bad day or Mm -hmm. um anything like that but you know when you bring it up to somebody and they help you express it and they help you look back and kind of relate it to how you function in a day. You know, how does it limit what you do? Or how does it impact your relationships or how you're working? And when you can start applying that, you can help people see how much this affects them and where it's affecting them. And they can get to that conclusion a little bit by themselves and, you know, realize that, Hey, this is holding me back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's tons of options to improve our mental health, um, medication, therapy, spirituality, healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. any number of things. But you can't start those things without the diagnosis. So um, and that is very hard for people to get to that point because um, just, you know, again, it's, it's subjective and it's hard for people to express. And then it's hard you know, not all providers are super comfortable sitting down and having that conversation and giving space for that conversation to kind of progress. So I think you said something along the lines of, you know, it's just something you got to bring up and mm-hmm. um, talk about with somebody. And then that's what I'd encourage. And that's why I think those annual exams are great, because um, you get to know your provider and um, they can, you know, work with you through time. And help you express some of these things and notice changes in you that you may not notice. So um, mental health is just, it's a hard thing for everybody. Yeah. And um, again, your providers too. Yeah. Um, but its a, I'm encouraged by how much everybody's working on it and how much um, more awareness there is. And um, just how, more, how many more people are getting treated for these issues they've had for a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. I appreciate that that you said that it's not easy for the provider either. Um, but you're right. I think that, like you said, it it just proves the importance of that annual exam more because then it, you build that relationship and it's a two-way relationship and there's trust on both sides. Um, and that really helps to kind of pull through and, and figure out what is what's, what's being caused by mental health, what's being caused by an internal system. And sometimes they, they tag team on each other and it's a vicious cycle, but you can't, you can't know that or help someone identify that if you don't have, um, more to go off of a bigger lens to look at for that individual.
1: Exactly. You know, and, and you can fix the erectile dysfunction with a medication, right? you know, but, um, that patient won't reach, you know, their maximum capacity if, if the cause of that is depression and it's not getting treated.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, awesome. That was that was a good a good kind of uh, t- a good touch on mental health, I think. Um, what about another thing that I have wanted to talk to you about is kind of this theory um And maybe theory is not the right word, but you see a lot of times I see billboards for this too, like weekend warrior sort of thing. Right. And I think it's common for men, maybe in thirties, but probably especially leaning more towards like forties or fifties. Um, and again, this could happen to anyone, but we're talking about men today. Um, you know when you you haven't been active for some time and then decide like oh i'm gonna go and do like a dip when i was in my 20s or teens. yeah yeah right going playing basketball shooting hoops um, whatever or maybe it's even just trying to you know maybe your spouse has been nagging on you to start some exercise or the doctor keeps saying you gotta lose some weight and so you decide you're gonna start exercising um and then we find that injury happens real quick and Um, Of course, I I don't need you to go too deep into injury prevention. And I know we do have, we actually have a podcast about injury prevention with our physical therapist. But um, what do you see in your office um, with your patients? Uh, What do you think is important for, for people, especially men, to know about like losing that muscle strength and how quick that can be lost and maybe what's a good approach for avoiding those like weekend warrior injuries or like for a man that's listening that wants to get back into some exercise routine? What kind of things are you saying? Maybe those conversations come up at annual physicals too.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's important um, to, you know, overall stay active, um, keep yourself stretched out. Um, And I think that can look different for everybody. Some people very well may accomplish that in their daily life, depending on what their work is, what their home life is like. Um, But a lot of people won't, you know, and to say I'm active through those things, if you're not, you know, isn't, isn't helping you at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, just trying to do something I think is important. Um, something to keep yourself active. It can be formal exercise. It can be walking. We know getting your heart rate up Mm -hmm. higher and for a longer amount of time is better for weight loss, for healthy hearts, all that stuff. But again, you got to meet people where they're at you know and if their baseline is zero you know getting them to walk once a week is good yeah um but you know how we see this in the clinic is we see people coming with injuries um and bad injuries you know you see hamstring tears you see um you know meniscus tears that need surgery you see bad rotator cuff issues from you know kind of jumping into sports and things like that and and these are injuries that put people back for months so You know, sure, you may kind of be a little sore and, hey, that's not too bad. I got to, you know, play a fun game of basketball, but you can definitely have bad injuries. And mm-hmm. trust me, it's never fun to work through those things over months, you know, to get back to normal. Um, so I think stretching, you know, just trying to keep some baseline level of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not day to day, week to week. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So even doing light things like walking or... Um, and, and what about like weightlifting for the man who's like, oh, I used to do all this weightlifting and I need to get back to that. How do you recommend they ease back into that?
1: I think uh, shorter weight, longer reps type Mm -hmm. stuff is good. Yeah. Um, body resistance work, um, interval training. Um, nowadays there's a lot of like hit high intensity training. I think that stuff's good. You know, it doesn't have extremely high weight mm-hmm. um, and it's more body resistance and to me just seems kind of more natural for the body. Right. So I would encourage people to do more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, to an image of that is, you know, week to week, you do some push-ups, some sit-ups, you have some weights at home and, you know, you go on some walks and you stretch out every few days, you know, yeah. that's a great baseline to be at.
0: Yeah, right. I think I think that's a good reminder too. for like, it doesn't have to be anything big flashy, definitely (laughs) not just keeping the body moving. I like to say, you know, objects, emotions stay in motion,
1: what it (laughs) just can't be is nothing.
0: Yeah. You know, you
1: can't say the last time you sweat or, you know, pushed your body or got off the couch. That's what it can't be. Mm -hmm. But it just it also doesn't have to be anything crazy. Right.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, Let's see. And where i know that we've been talking for a long time here but i just have one other well by one other i mean kind of a, an overarching thing um I, so again coming from the standpoint of like a woman you know we have you know menopause this is kind of like the big dark cloud though it shouldn't be. But a lot of times in society, we view it as like this dark cloud that's coming your way as a woman as you get older. Um, and it's, you know, shifting in hormones. And there's a lot of things to be concerned about. Um, for men, what do you think it's most important that men are concerned or aware of as they age? Um, is there anything?
1: Hormone-wise?
0: Hormones, but also just, I guess, general health too.
1: Yeah. Um... Well, like you pointed out with women, um, their, the course of their hormones is something that kind of is talked about and and we know, and, um, you know, they have gynecologists who they work with from a young age. So right. that's just not really a system that's in place for men.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, there's no men like men doctor that you go to see for special things like that. And if yeah. there
1: is, it's it's you know when you're older,
0: right? Um, for yeah.
1: more kind of ED sexual health concerns. Yeah. So
0: urology um, and things. Yeah.
1: Um, but urologists are not you know men. Right. A special men doctor. Doctors, yeah. You know,
0: you're right. So
1: um, but just like women with menopause, um, men have decrease in hormones as they age. Um, our hormones aren't needed as much with age. Mm-hmm. We're not reproducing, you know, generally. Right, um, that makes sense, yeah. And we don't need, in general, the muscle mass and the strength and all that that we needed when we are younger and kind of in our peak. So naturally, our testosterone level decreases. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, you can expect with age, you know, less muscle tone, mm-hmm. less sex drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all a very natural process. So, you know, again, you can address those things medically, if it's, you know, something that affects your life and and kind of reduces your quality of life and how you function, but it's also a normal part of aging.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good, I like how you said that. And I think it's so true for women too, that, you know, I think that there used to be a thought of like, this needs to be addressed or hidden or made so that it's like not happening. Right. Like with all these different things you can do as a woman to make it seem like you're not in menopause and it seems like doom and gloom. But, but I think the the tone is shifting now more of like embracing it. And this is a natural shift in your life. And so it sounds like it's the same for men should be embracing. Like this is a natural shift that your body's going to make and it it's not bad <laughs> and it's right. and it's okay and it's you know you have to accept some of those things that are going to come with it like the lower muscle tone and and lower sex drive and and all that sort of thing um and just like with women i'm sure there's times when maybe some medical intervention is needed or or can be helpful but it sounds like for the most part it's probably not unnecessary
1: it's thing usually not pathological. pathological and i yeah. think how providers you know see these problems with men and women mm-hmm. it's much more kind of person management sure, because right. it's again it's an expected thing to happen yeah but it can still cause dysfunction right. and problems yeah so how is it affecting you right you know um, how can we help improve how it's affecting you mm-hmm. um, so it's more that than you know this is a disease process that we need to fix
0: right well and I think it ties back to not that this was supposed to turn into a mental health <laughs> episode, but I think it ties back to that mental health piece too, right? Of like, again, women, we're, we're like taught that this is coming and there's more things out there to prepare you. And now I think there's a shift in like, like I said, this is a positive thing and it's something you can be, you know, maybe more excited about or or, you know, there's some more acceptance. But for men, I don't see that out there where it's like, this is coming. This is what it's going to look like. And this is how you can prepare mentally for it and embrace it. Um, so hopefully we'll see that kind of shifting coming down the line, too, for men to be more of like aware and, and accepting and maybe supported through those changes. But I'm sure the the mental health piece of it is Again, acknowledging that and knowing that that's coming. And, you know, how are you feeling? Like you said, how are you dealing with this? How is this impacting you? And is it something that we truly need to intervene with on, like, what does the medical piece look like? Does it more need to be like medication to help you manage your depression because suddenly you feel like you're 80 years old, kind of thing? Um,
1: Even that conversation is helpful. Right. Even if it doesn't lead to treatment, Right, right. The conversation is great.
0: Yeah. It's very validating. I'm Absolutely. sure for, for anyone, it can so, be validating. And,
1: and you're, you're talking to somebody who basically thinks mental health is the source of almost all problems. So mm-hmm. we can't go too far down that road, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. And I think you pointed out something good that I hadn't really thought of is that transition, you know, for women, not that it's celebrated, but it's, it's, it's very aware, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. menopausal transition around 50, et cetera, you know, what changes are coming and it's kind of a new phase of life for women. Yeah. And I, definitely doesn't feel like that for men yeah you know it's there's just doesn't seem to be a transition to older age like there's this kind of objective natural transition for women right you know and what comes with it so um that's interesting
0: yeah I wonder how how we and not we you and me but we as a society can start to shift those conversations and I guess I, I look we should touch base on this in a couple of months and see, I wonder if your your conversations will change in the exam room or you know, other providers listening to this, if those conversations will change and how they can more champion those shifts. You know, a lot of times um in society and this is different culture to culture, but I feel like older men, and I don't know the ages, but we'll just say like beyond 50, right? 60s, 70s, like you generally consider them as like why, right? Being wise. Um, having experienced a lot, maybe having a lot of knowledge. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's tapping into that of uh, how that might shift things for a man. Like you, you might feel like you're you're losing this part, but you're gaining these other aspects. Kind of
1: like a, a, a woman may hold on to like a caretaker role. Right. And that may be kind of very natural after, I mean, for women in general, maybe after motherhood yeah. all that stuff um yeah it's not like there's a thing that we can say men kind of transition to right so yeah you know after again there's this societal thing to be you know early and yeah. strong and head of household and obviously that's gotta you know stop at some point
0: right um, right
1: so what you know you know where does your your value come from after that obviously your yeah. value is you right but um just commenting on you know how we all see it as a society yeah, yeah it's
0: Yeah, Yeah, you need to find and maybe that's for each individual too to find what that means for them and how how they how that fits into their daily routine. But, yeah, definitely something to think about and kind of a a different perspective that that we could be taking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that there's any right answer for what that should look like, but I think it's yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about yet that you were hoping to touch on?
1: Yeah, um, I do want to just spend a little time, kind of talking about cardiovascular health for oh, men. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because again, kind of from provider perspective, that's going to be basically the biggest issue for men as they age. So you know, we're going to now be talking about mostly older men again, um, probably 50 and up. Um, and men are significantly more prone to cardiovascular disease than women. So what we mean by that is heart attacks and strokes. Um, men have more heart attacks and strokes. They have them at an earlier age and they are more fatal. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, this is something I try to talk to everybody about because it's not, it's not emphasized enough. Right. You know, we spend a lot of time worrying about and, you know, screening for cancers and Mm -hmm. other low testosterone, other kind of weird diseases and stuff Mm -hmm. when what's mostly going to get men is cardiovascular disease. (laughs) Right. Yeah. the way to prevent that is by making good decisions within your day, every day. Yeah. So, you know, on one hand, it's scary and frustrating that it's kind of what brings, what causes men a lot of problems. Yeah. But it's also something that can be improved, that mm-hmm. can be fixed, mm-hmm. that can be prevented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, through awareness and working on it starting at a younger age. So um, just today I had a male patient who was talking about, uh, someone he knew who, um, didn't eat meat. Okay. And he said, you know, we got to take his man card.
0: Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, you know, that's just an example of, you know, I don't even know, but just what, why it's, some of these things are a little bit hard. Right. Some
0: societal expectations that don't really line up with even science, I guess. right? Right.
1: You know, so, um, So the the kind of general health lifestyle measures are extra, extra important for men. Right. Because our bodies um, are just much more prone to those issues. Mm -hmm. So um, high blood pressure is just so common. You know, it's got no symptoms Mm -hmm. and it can be easily explained away in an appointment. Sure. I'm just nervous, you know, and you can see that for years and, you know, I'm just nervous. Right. You know, well, you also have a little bit, you know, higher weight, you know, and now you're aging. So. Um these are super important and they're ways that providers can intervene and make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get somebody's blood pressure under control and you get them to lose five to ten pounds, right? You just dramatically change their outlook and yeah. reduce their risk for you know a major issue. Right. Um, so I I definitely think that's something that men need to be more aware of is how they are just much higher risk for these issues than women
0: yeah so what kind of um i mean just touching high level uh what are the lifestyle choices that would help promote cardiovascular health
1: um exercise and just like we talked about doesn't have to be anything crazy uh weight management Mm -hmm. you know um uh, healthy diet you know some amount of whole foods fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm somewhat limiting empty carbs, mm-hmm. um, and junk food, mm-hmm. um, and limiting your stress. Yeah. Um, getting good sleep and doing stuff for yourself, right. you know, that, that enriches your life and, and, you know, makes you happier and healthier.
0: Yeah. I love that. That was a perfect summary. That's exactly what I was hoping. you would not, John. Right. <laughs> Obviously we can dive into it you know, each of those topics and and probably talk for for hours and hours about things that you should do. But I like that you kept it, you know, very general, like eat meat or don't eat meat. But I think, you know, we like to say, you know, everything in moderation, you know, if you like soda, have a soda, but probably not have it every day or don't have five a day. (laughs) If you like donuts, have a donut, but not every day and not, you know, multiple times. Um, A day, in a day.
1: I totally agree. I think there's room for everything, Mm -hmm. just in moderation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I know um, for our listeners who are just gobbling this up and need more, we do have EverSide Has a Men's Health uh, well-being webinar, and that is Thursday, this Thursday, actually, November 10th um, at noon central or 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, there will be a link in the show notes of this episode as well for the webinar. And then after the webinar, it'll link you to the recording. Um, anything else, Zach, before we sign off?
1: No, thank you for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun talking about it. And I hope it was productive for people. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think we shed some light on some things that maybe aren't touched on too often. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks for joining me on this. All right, thank you. I'm so glad we got to talk about wellness today, Tasha. And thanks to our audience for joining us. If you have any questions from today's episode or a myth you'd like us to bust, send us an email. For our Wellness Center participants, if you'd like to dive in deeper on anything we discussed today, give us a call or an email and we'll schedule a coaching appointment. Everyone can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Waukesha Employee Health and Wellness. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from so you never miss an episode. Join us on the first Tuesday of every month for Taco Tuesday. Until then, bye everyone.